This is Rebecca Petty Moffitt, and you're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. On this week's episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, Chick-fil-A does mac and cheese. We do some Dear Mojo and Rebecca Petty Moffitt, the daughter of Richard Petty, is our guest this week. All that and more on the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's two guys take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, and you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Busted Knuckles studio right here in beautiful downtown historic Concord, North Carolina. I be your host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up for you, as always, but before we begin, let me introduce you to the second half of this flaky biscuit. That's right, I am talking about the Pride of Anderson, South Carolina, but most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one, 2016's Honorable Mention Father of the Year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up on old mic number one, it's Mojo! What up, gang? Appreciate you tuning back in to the Southern Fry Philosophy Podcast. You can reach us at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Wherever you get your iPad, or I, wherever you get your, your iPads, where, your iTunes, yeah. whatever, all your eyes, man, get them where, right there. Wherever you get your podcast episodes from, <laughs> please go to that aggregate. Give us a subscribe, a like, a share, a view, any of those. We'd be extremely grateful for those. That helps us move up, gets recognized by the old algorithm machine that kind of boosts us to the top. But we appreciate each and every one of you and all our new listeners from all over the globe. We kind of get some international listeners, which is awesome as always. How about you? Um, anyway, please go to our Facebook page at Southern Fry Philosophy. Just hit that old thumbs up, like. Yippee! That way we know you're there. Also go to our SFP, uh, SFP Radio on the Instagram and the old Twitters, and uh, I, I pretty much hate Twitter. I think I've stopped. Are you done with it? I think I'm done. You hate it? But we, I know we post our episodes there. Every once in a while. But also, anywhere else you can find us, we appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Yes. Uh, I want to say a shout-out to Clemens, North Carolina. Thank you for tuning in. Also, Elkhorn City, Kentucky. Hey, buddy. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. All right, I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week. Mojo, how you be doing? I'm awesome. It's fall time. We don't have to worry about the skeeters and uh, the humidity being near 130% every day. You're right. You're right. This is the time of year where you, if you like sports, hey, buddy, you're oh, on yeah. it. Yeah, you got the crisp air. You got the leaves changing color. And you also have college basketball you and got football. College football, basketball. We're going to be wrapping up uh, baseball here in a little bit. What's your take on the, the World Series? How are you, you tuning in any of that? I'm, I'm kind of sad. Oh boy, that Houston really isn't you know not doing it for not, you, not doing it again this year, just because um, man Sheila Jackson Lee from the <laughs> representative of the Houston area, uh-huh. man gave some great sound bites last year after uh, Houston won the World Series. Man, I I did not know oh. this. There were great sound bites. Gosh, where was I on that one? She called it the World Serious. <laughs> and the Southern Boys. I mean, she she was just great when when she she gave a lot of great sound bites. I I, I guarantee you, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee doesn't know how many number of outs there are in an inning, how many <laughs> innings are in a game, and the difference between a ball strike and a foul ball. How about it? But she was a uh, she's a long term fan, long time fan, <laughs> long term fan. What do you like? Have a disease? <sighs> Man, she yeah. But the World Serious. 
the World Series. World Series champion. So that's serious. Yeah. And she was she was very pacific about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of disappoints me about that. Are you are you a baseball fan? Are you do you like dial into that at any point? Um, it depends. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first of the season, I always try to check and see how my Braves did. Okay. My Braves had a, actually a really good year this year, mm-hmm. that, which is a good thing because we pretty much have been the Cleveland Browns of baseball for the past <laughs> right. 10, 13 years. Ever so. since you let Chipper go. Before that, you know, just we, Chipper was kind of – Chipper was still good. Right. But we let everybody else go. Yeah. We just gave everybody away. <laughs> Typical Braves fashion. Sure. So I tune in, you know, usually by five games, you can tell Atlanta's already out. So <laughs> then you kind of tune in. You kind of tune in. And I, I like the early spring games. Okay. Um, just because it, you get to see a little bit dynamic. Like, for example, Chicago plays in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh plays in Chicago. Mm. There's no vines on the wall. Mm. Uh, it's cold. So you got that right. aspect. And you, it's just a little different. Now, when it gets, like, hotter than Hades mm-hmm. outside and, you know, I don't enjoy watching live no. games, but also the, no. the TV. I just, it, just not the same pizzazz. Yeah, because you got eighty games left, and anything can happen in eighty games. But you know, how like, many how many games is a season? Do you? I think one sixty, one sixty five. I can't remember oh. exactly, but um, I do love the fall, that crisp air. Sure, um, getting towards that playoff run, you already kind of know your t- four teams battling out in each division. So, mm. uh, I I do kind of dig that, and then I, I love the playoffs and I love the World Series. I have no room in my life for for anything right now except work and then Kentucky sports. So anything else, I can't. I, I, I can't give you. Anymore. All you got to do is throw it on and watch it while you do your work. That is true. You, I could watch a bazillion baseball games at this point, or at least have them on. Yeah, I could do that. Um, all right, so let's go into our wacky news. We talked about uh, the old Chick-fil-A last week. Chick-fil-A is now serving, get this, mac and cheese in six cities. The uh, chicken sandwich chain is currently testing mac and cheese at some of its restaurants, considering to make it uh, open to more markets out there. Currently, right now, it is in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Houston, San Antonio, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, and Greensboro, North Carolina. I want you to listen up, Chick-fil-A. How can you not test something in Atlanta, Georgia? That's where you started. Mac and cheese in Green... Out of all of these cities. Well, Greensboro I can get. I, yeah, but I But mean, the other five, Baltimore? Phoenix? How, yeah, how in the H-E double hockey stick did you come up with Baltimore and Phoenix? I am convinced they just threw darts at a wall and just, ha, ah, there we go. There's nothing good in Phoenix. The basketball team sucks. Mm-hmm. The baseball, baseball team, team sucks. The football team sucks. <laughs> everything sucks in Arizona. Well, I shouldn't say everything sucks. But there, yeah, you have the southern states who have built your brand. Right. Keep it in the southern states. Guess what? No. If, if the southern states want macaroni, guess what? Arizona and Maryland, you're going to eat it. Eat it, Maryland. We're not They're technically eat, eating I will not, mac and cheese. I, I will not eat macaroni from Chick-fil-A just because Maryland probably had a vote in it. Y'all. Y'all. Nothing good out of that. Where's my coleslaw? Where's my coleslaw oh, at? Yeah. Where's my carrot salad at? I want my carrot salad I at. do like their carrot salad. 
Well, it's extinct, just like Jurassic Park. You can't get it no more? Where have you been? Dude, the last like time a, I had it's it. It's like a Velociraptor. It's gone millions of years ago. I did like it. I didn't know it was gone, though. Oh, yeah. They eliminated that, the cheesecake, the lemon pie cake. Eliminated all that. Y'all. I brought kale salad in. Yeah, that it. Now, the kale salad's actually pretty it, good. It ain't bad. It's pretty good. But, dude, we're in the South. Coleslaw. Mac and cheese in Baltimore and Phoenix in San Antonio. <sighs> San Antonio, I can kind of loop into the South, mm. but Arizona's pushing it. That Oh, yeah. Baltimore. That's not even close. The only thing Baltimore known for is crabs and crime. Can I can I ask Chick-fil-A? Hey, Chick-fil-A. Right here. I need you I need you to pay attention. I need you to stop trying to do your mac and cheese and trying to be all cutesy and artsy fartsy. And I need you to do something about your biscuit. <laughs> that is the nastiest biscuit that you can get. That thing's gross. They rank actually the rest of food impeccable. Yeah. The biscuit I, yeah. biscuit we, ranks up there with Waffle House's biscuit. We love it's noted how much we love Chick Fil A, mm-hmm. but y'all, your biscuit is horrible, horrible. Yeah, it is the driest thing. It is the McDonald's cheeseburger of biscuits. Ooh, that's really good. That's really good right there. You not really good. It's just really good. Yeah, it's a good analogy yeah. because you on a, in a pinch you'll eat it, but you're not happy about it. Yeah. You regret it. And as soon as you take that first bite, you're like, hell, this is not going to turn out well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it crumbles when you take your bite. It it don't hold together. No. Falls you're apart. You're not finishing a chicken, chicken biscuit with the bottom half of the biscuit. Oh, no. no. Now, I, here's rumors that I've heard that they use water instead of milk in, in the mix of the biscuit. Well, here's one rumor is they don't use 80-year-old grandmas like Hardee's and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Bojangles does. You, you see, you see arthritic hands who have have, have calluses and, mm-hmm. and wrinkles making biscuits of Bojangles and Hardee's, but you don't see that at Chick Fil A. No, no, you don't. You need knuckle hair in your biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> you need a Neanderthal making biscuits back there for you. But but you're the chef. Like, why does that thing fall apart? Like, I, I well, you can I can taste baking powder in it. Mm-hmm. It helps make it rise, self you know, the self rising flour. Okay, so it's got to be something chemical re- action reagent. It's not bonding correctly because I've had Chick Fil A bis- biscuits from all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, mm-hmm. all the way down to Florida, and those biscuits just suck. Yeah, I've never had one. I mean, I take it back. I've had one in one location, in Anderson, South Carolina, my hometown, mm-hmm. where they did the biscuits right. I'm not sure. If they, I'm not sure if they broke broke off and did their own thing. I don't know if they went and like double paid the Hardee's biscuit lady to come work there, but mm. they were good. Chick Fil A on their website said that it's an iconic Southern biscuit. I'm going to call BS on that. Uh, canned biscuits more iconic than Chick Fil A biscuits. I mean, Hit the crap. Ooh, that's what I'm going to say to that. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I just don't see that. I mean, it's nasty. Yeah. I don't I don't like it now. You put, how about this? You put the Chick-fil-A filet, chicken filet, which is the most perfect Chick-fil-A there is, or chicken filet. You put that on a Hardee's biscuit. Mm, now you're on to it. Did you know Chick-fil-A offers sausage gravy? Have you had their sausage yes. biscuit? I've had, well, I've had their sausage, I've had their, I've had their biscuits and gravy. Have you had that? No. Save you money. Yeah, it's not that great. Well, here's the thing. Here's why. Here's how I knew that I wasn't going to even try that. 
is because their sausage is awful as well. Yeah, I don't. I, well, they don't cook it. It, it doesn't feel cooked. Well, it's well just they mush. well they don't cook it like on a flat top flat top grill. Mm. You know, is like that a, what it is? Yeah, because you don't get that crisping. Yeah, it's mm. got to be cooked on. It's got to be cooked on some type of cast iron. Okay. Um, surface and they don't. I don't think they do that. I think they used a type of griddle because you just see kind of like grill marks they use for chicken. It's not the same Chick Fil A. No, it's not the same. Yeah, I love you. But I need you to do better. Well, I love my wife, but she doesn't vacuum or clean the house well. <laughs> I'm not gonna throw her out. Yeah, you know, I'm still gonna see her. Three sixty five. Right. But but she don't do so well in those areas. I'm not saying. I'm just saying Chick Fil A. <laughs> I need you to step up your game. And that's so, not my analogy, honey. That's that's Biggins. Yeah, sure. I, don't <laughs> throw me under the bus. I'm just saying, stop doing your fancy mac and cheese and just do the biscuits right. Right. Go back to your home. Are you too good for your home, Chick-fil-A? Get where you need to be mm. and do a decent biscuit. And stay out of Phoenix. For the love. I mean, be there just in case I got travel there, but don't get your test results. Are you? Do you think you're going to try, when you go up to Baltimore, you're going to try some of this mac and cheese? It'll probably, it'll probably fail by the time I get up you, there. You're probably right. I'm, I'm hoping so. I, here's the thing. I, like, how good can mac and cheese be from, from a Chick-fil-A? I'm just, I'm not putting a whole lot of hope well, in it anyway. I know the equipment they have in their facility. Mm. They're not going to be making it from scratch. No. It's going to be a frozen product. No. Yep. So how good can it be? That's my, that's my question. And it, I, I don't think Truett S. Kathy, the founder and creator of chick fil would be too happy about that. I mean, I, unless he wrote some type of dying wish to put macaroni <laughs> and cheese on the menu, I just don't see it happening. Well, he didn't He didn't want the kale salad on there. We know that. So there's, <sighs> y'all, I'm go just, back to your roots. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will uh, have some Dear Mojo, and don't forget our special guest, Rebecca Petty Moffitt. All that and more, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Southern Pride Philosophy Podcast. Words cannot describe how awesome Robert and his team at Webmerized are. In our time of need, Robert came through for us and devoted more time than expected to help our organization develop our new website. It truly is a blessing to have an individual that can speak to the average person not in the IT world in a manner that can easily be understood. The process of working with his team was painless, and I look forward to working with them for future projects. Our website is spectacular, and I'm really proud of what was developed by Webmerized. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Don't take Stella H's word for it and also Southern Fried Philosophies, but go out to webmerize.com, W-E-B-M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, or check out the sponsors link on our website. And if you mention the word biggin in your order, you'll get 10% off. Check them out at webmerized.com for your web services needs. Dear Abby, dear Abby, my feet are too long. My hair is falling out and my rights are all wrong. My friends, they all tell me that I've no friends at all. Won't you write me a letter? Won't you give me a call? Sign bewildered. All right, so we are doing a, a bit where I ask dear, I ask Mojo some dear Abby questions. You give the advice, and then we'll see how closely it resembles what Abby says. Uh, Dear Mojo, I have two sons, 14 and 10. I just got married a year ago. My husband 
quote-unquote Kurt has taken the father role, and he does pretty well, although I think sometimes he goes a little overboard. He and my eldest son, Elijah, worked on a roof together, and because my son made $200 plus a $70 bonus, Kurt got upset because Elijah used his money to buy an Xbox. Kurt thinks Elijah should have brought clothes, toiletries, and other things he needs because we ain't rich. I agree to the extent, but it's gotten out of hand. Now Kurt is so upset that he doesn't want to give Elijah another opportunity to make more money for himself. He really makes a huge stink about how he spent his money. What do I do? Very frustrated mom in Michigan. If you listen to AM or talk radio, Mm -hmm. um, there's a foster kids, adoption kids, ad that plays on it's like a public service announcement mm-hmm. it talks about you not having to be a perfect parent just be a parent <laughs> right you know what i'm saying right. so uh I, I i commend that ad because for people like myself who is an adoptive father mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a father of an adopted daughter let me rephrase right. that yeah i got you um which i i don't even i never think of that anymore but mm. I, but the reality is i i am i i, I know i'm no perfect father mm. um far from it but at least I am a father, at least I am there for her. Mm-hmm. And she'll always know yeah. that. So I, I, I guess, Mom, um, it's great that he's there for his two for the two kids. And mm-hmm. you know, also kind of just a – it's kind of a hard age to get and meld and through osmosis become that father person. Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> so I, I commend um, Kurt for, for doing that because yeah. not, not a lot of men would step up into that position. Um, yep. Not a lot of men would also, you know, uh, teach this kid trades, trade ideas, things like that. I, I think this is simply fixed by perspective. I think mm-hmm. it's sitting the kid down, explaining what monthly expenses are, explaining what things cost, and, and making this kid a budget. I think this is simply fixed by just having a conversation. Now, if Kurt's butt hurt because, you know, the kid made as much money or, or near what he made, and he right. had to be responsible with his money, but the kid became foolish and, and did whatever he wanted to, then get over it, man. I mean, you're an adult, mm-hmm. and you're setting the example. So I think it's just, all this is fixed through conversation and just communication. You're right. Um, Abby said, what to do is calmly and privately remind your husband that Elijah is 14, and his decisions are not always mature ones. Then suggest he and Elijah work out an agreement that in the future he earns money, he will um, save a, a portion of it, and another portion he'll use for his necessities, and the rest he can use for the items on his discretion. It's called budgeting. <laughs> it's an important <laughs> lesson that every teen should yeah, learn. Absolutely. All right. Something they do not teach anymore in school. They do not. That, that was one of my favorite classes, mm-hmm. by the way. I loved well, personal finance. I learned how to yeah, learn how to balance a checkbook. Mm-hmm. Most kids don't know what a checkbook is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, you got this little debit card thing, and if you, you throw it at you yeah. know, whatever it is, it automatically pays for it. Because I have to write checks all the time in my business, so you know, yeah. I had to use that. So do you, do you write them in cursive? I still write in cursive, yeah. On the checks? Yeah. I felt bad because I, I gave it up, but I, st- I just print them now. Yeah, I like to talk in cursive. <laughs> Donnie Baker, the comedian, talks about it. All right, so um, here's another one. Dear Mojo, I am unemployed and looking. I'm a 24-year-old male who is the oldest of four. Three sisters are 20, uh, who has a part-time job and goes to college, a 14-year-old, and a 12-year-old. We all live at home with our physician parents. Um, That's important that he puts in that for some reason. Our 
And here's why. Our longtime cleaning lady recently quit. My parents uh, seemingly have no interest in hiring a replacement. My sisters and my father don't help with the chores because they are either uh, too young or they're too busy. At most, they will unload the groceries or assist in cooking a meal. My mother encourages this and does a fair amount of the work herself, but she has a job. So I'm frequently told to handle the dishes, cooking, pickups, drop-offs after school, garbage, and recycling, doing some groceries and miscellaneous errands. Um, I get no sympathy or help. My sisters don't even bother to rinse their plates properly. They just leave them piled in the sink for everyone else. My mother recently yelled at me that I was giving her attitude when I didn't even say a word. Um... The situation is making it harder for me to get a job because I'm too tired all the time and my parents don't listen to a word that I say. I'm not unaware of the fact that as the oldest, more is expected of me, but I think that this is well past the point of what's expected. What should I do? Overworked and get this New York. Uh, how old's this kid? 24. 24. What's this kid's name? Did he give a name? He did not. Just overworked in New York. Okay, Mr. Overworked in New York. You're 24 living at home. Let that sink in a minute. I was 19, married, bought my first house at 19. Dang. By by the age of 19. Hey, buddy. At 21, I was moving on up. Mm-hmm. You, you live at home <laughs> under <laughs> your mom and dad's dole. Mm-hmm. Buck up, buttercup. If they need you to do a few chores, do it. I doubt that you're doing maid service 40 hours a week there. And his mom is picking up a lot of the, yeah, the slack. You stuff. have no reason to be tired. You're, this is what we call this little thing called excuses. Mm. You need to kind of man up, buddy. And I don't mean that as in a gender-specific term for <laughs> people that make you butthurt. Right, this, is, this is a term that I'm saying because you – need to do it not do it for your for your parents do it for yourself you need to find something that you um are passionate about and pursue that as a career i mean at 24 you should at least have a couple years either a coming out of college or two years and set in your career or if you come out of high school and you didn't go to college you should at least be six years into discovering what type of job path that you want Mm -hmm. so i'm not exactly sure what what your holdup is but you obviously do love excuses, though. <laughs> Can you get at a job in excuses? That'd be good. There's probably a place hiring. But yeah. Buck up, Buttercup. Well, uh, in an ironic turn of events, dear Abby kind of agreed with you on that one. <laughs> Start reviewing your options. The first thing you need to do is understand why you are unemployed. If there are no openings in your field, start considering other kinds of jobs that you may be suited for, i.e. excuse-making. Uh, if, <laughs> if you want to be something more than an unpaid domestic worker, you may have to figure out what will it will take for you to live on your own, perhaps with a roommate or two. Even if you don't find the ideal job of employment, it will solve your problem because you'll be too busy working to do the other things you're required to do now. So, hey, that was pretty close. I think Dear Abby's getting a little bit of an attitude, by the way. Yeah, because she's bombarded. I wonder how many thousands of stupid questions she gets a day. Uh, I'm sure a lot. I mean, a lot of these are just common sense. You would think. This one's just a sense of entitlement. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it, obviously the the key to the doctor thing is to kind of lead up to the the maid or the cleaning lady. You know what I'm saying? Just right. it, it, it positions himself in a, a position of privilege. Yeah. Not you know not based off of gender yeah. or, or or race. It's just a, a an economic privilege they they have a cleaner. Yeah. So not, not a lot, most people don't have that. So right. I mean I can understand the, the setup there, but geez. 
Come on, y'all. All right, last one. Uh, Dear Mojo, my best friend of over 40 years and her boyfriend lives several states away from my husband and me. Every winter, she and her friend expect to come to our home for a week. I can no longer do this. Her friend is a nice guy, but after a few days, we can hardly stand it. He talks constantly and knows everything about everything. How can I politely tell my friend that we can't accommodate them anymore without hurting their feelings and maybe ending our friendship? Signed, Weary Out West. Uh, I would suggest doing a once-a-year, five-day getaway in a neutral zone. Mm-hmm. That way you have the opportunity to, A, shut the door. Mm-hmm. Cause you'll have, you know, like, feel like a, like a duplex or timeshare yeah. where they have the two I'm rooms. Going to bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going to bed. I'm going, you know, we're about to have some hello time or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you break away. <laughs> so, you know, being confined in a household like that, it just, it's hard to get away from each other because you're such a small area of space. But yeah, I would definitely, uh, I mean, it depends if the friendship's valuable. If, you know, oh, you're yeah. not, there's no rules to say you have to be tied to this friend for life. Yeah. It, it, you got to assess what type of friendship it is. Yeah. Is it one just one of those seasonal relationships where you had a good time and see you by? Or if it's one of those ones where, you know, they would be there for you through thick and thin. Yeah. Uh, Abby said, try this. When your old friend mentions something to come in to visit, you tell her you're not up to having house guests. If she asks why, and she probably will, say you're not as young as you used to be. Scary clowns. Um yeah, it's true. Neither am I. Tell tell her that you can accommodate them for a weekend, but that doesn't work. Say your husband isn't up for the company, which that's also true. However, if neither excuses suffice, you will have to choose between telling your friend the truth and fibbing by saying that you plan to be out of town. Mm-hmm. So the old I'm going to be out of town <laughs> excuse. Just, just don't post anything on Facebook that week. <laughs> we like we like to come to visit. Uh, when are you planning on coming? Um, I don't know. We're going to be out of town. <laughs> 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 All right. So we are going to take a break. And when we come back, Rebecca Petty Moffitt, the daughter of Richard Petty. We'll be back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Friends at all, won't you write me a letter? Won't you give me a call? Sign bewildered. Hey guys, it's me, Bigging. Summer is made for grilling and chilling, and you too can be the baddest mother smoker on the block using our favorite award winning smoking sauce. Bad Mother Smokers is perfect match for that favorite meat, veggies, or even that secret ingredient in a pot of chili. Check out BadMotherSmokers.com to place your order. And if you want to be a barbecue pit master like Mojo, enter the promo code MOJO for 10% off your order. Visit BadMotherSmokers.com or the sponsor section of our website at SouthernFriedPhilosophy.com. He survived his share of crashes. But he never did give up. The tracks in Carolina, where all the pennies ran. What kept the motors running way back then was you, the fan. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Fry Philosophy Podcast. Uh, today on our phone line, we have the honor and privilege of speaking to Rebecca Petty 
Moffat. You believe <laughs> so, it on the phone. And if you recognize that that middle name, it's uh, NASCAR legend Richard Petty's daughter, and uh, Rebecca is the director of the Petty Family Foundation. Uh, that website can be found at pettyfamilyfoundation.org. And uh, they do some great things in the community, um, local Charlotte area, but also out, outside that area. So once again, Rebecca, thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. Rebecca, um, not long ago, we had Jeremy White uh, in studio, and he is the son of the uh, famous uh, NFL Hall of Famer, Reggie White. And so it, it, I, I'm always interested in hearing the stories of what it's like growing up with uh, with a celebrity parent. So um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about growing up uh, Richard Petty's dad, uh, daughter? You know what? That is like the number one question that me and my siblings get all the time. (laughs) And our answer is we really don't have anything to compare to. He's the only dad we've ever had. So, you know, we have we have no comparison. Yeah, no, and that's similar to what Jeremy said. He's so, like, he's just dad. Just, just uh, as right, we're as right. we as we're recording this, I w- I'm gonna play this back for my 15 year old daughter. So you're saying that you probably got butt whoopings and and, yes, and probably ground, yes. probably ground, and we gather at the house for holidays, and we gather at the house for birthdays, just like every you know other family, and you know we're we're at his house for different functions and stuff like that. So it's just, it's just everyday normal life to yeah, us. That's right. So I, I, that's what I want to tell my daughter is that we're not the only family in the world that actually has punishments for, uh, <laughs> for, exactly. for bad behavior. So. Uh, so was there a point though, where you realize like, wow, my dad is the face of NASCAR. And like, at what point was that? Well, you know, we grew up going to the race, so like seeing people come up to the car or come up to him and want autographs, want pictures, just like I said, that was our everyday life. And so we, my mom tried really, really hard to make our lives as normal as possible. We went mm. to public schools. We were in church on Wednesday nights. On Sundays when we were in town, we were in church. And, you know, and we, we grew up in our community. And it's the same community that my mom and dad grew up in. And mm. my childhood best friend, um, we were probably – middle schoolers, I'm going to say 11, 12, 13 years old. And I took her to Daytona with me. And, you know, it was nothing like no big deal. She's just hanging out with us like as if we were at home. And when we were pulling out of the racetrack, people were coming up to the car. People were beating on the car. Mm -hmm. People were holding up signs and screaming and trying to run beside us. We were actually in a conversion van in the day because there were so many of us. And my friend looked at me and she said, oh, my gosh, I never realized your dad was this famous. (laughs) And all of a sudden it sunk in on me. It's like, well, he's he's not, Mm -hmm. you know, like to me, he's you know, he's just dad, you know. Yeah. So so my friend, actually, my childhood friend who had been in my house and, and traveled and done a lot of things with us when it when it sunk in with her and she said that to me, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe he is special. Mm. Wow. So you mentioned like going to the track and then people beating on the on the on the conversion van and whatnot. Were there any challenges besides that growing up or you said you mentioned like everything was just kind of normal going into, uh, you know, your normal life? Well, you know, the biggest challenge is, you know, he was not around for dance recitals, for Mm. ball games, for prom or anything like that. But, you know, like I said, my mom held it all together. And so, you know, let's just say it was piano recital weekend on Wednesday night before he left on that Thursday, like my family would come into the living room and sat down and I would like play the piano for him. So he Mm. it's like like a private performance, you know. Oh, that's cool. 
Mm-hmm. And even like prom, like I can remember, you know, in high school, uh, like getting dressed like on a Wednesday night and going up and like modeling, you know? Hmm. And of course, because he's a daddy, he always had a comment like, where's the rest of it? <laughs> Wearing a turtleneck up underneath that or, you know, so. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I, so that's, uh, the, that's the only challenge is, you know, you do things where, you know, out in the field or out in the stands is mom and dad and you just have mom and grandma or, you know, mom and sisters, you know? Sure. But, but, you know, my mom, like, tried really, really hard to say, you get these privileges because your daddy does work on the weekends. Mm. Like, you're able to take dance lessons or you're able to take piano lessons or you're able, you know, there's there's things you get to do because that's what his job is. And it allows you to do the extracurricular. That's right. Yeah. Wow, that's a good perspective. Uh, let's get into the uh, Petty Family Foundation a little bit. Um uh, this kind of the, the organizations you guys support. Yeah, I, I know that you guys have had some uh, like uh, childhood cancer um, patients and stuff like that. As a childhood cancer survivor myself, I really appreciate that because uh, a lot of these kids, uh, you just having getting out of that sterile environment of daily treatments and things like that are the break the monotony up and kind of give some encouragement is awesome. So I appreciate that on behalf of the survivor community. So, but well, thank uh, you. Uh, just tell us, kind of give us a brief overlay, uh, you know, the 10,000 foot view of, of the petty, the petty family foundation and goals and where you guys are going. Well, basically our motto is we try to help those who help others. Hmm. So we do a lot with veterans and uh, a whole lot with the Paralyzed Veterans of America. And then, of course, when you're talking about um, children with terminally and chronically uh, illnesses, we do a lot to support and help fundraise for Victory Junction. Mm-hmm. But then we also um, do a lot of, like, we give scholarships to every high school in the county that we're in. Oh, and, wow. you know, that's pretty big. We, we, we like to hand those out. But then we're also, we like to support community. And when I say community, not just the community that I'm in, because because of NASCAR, we're put into a we're put into communities all over the U.S. You know, mm. so you know we like to support, uh, you know, like help that ball team that just needs a little bit of money to make it to the big playoffs all the way down in Florida. You know, or you know, like sponsorships like that. We just like to to help people that are helping and encouraging other people. So basically, filling the gap where needed. Yes. Awesome. Any of these uh, organizations kind of near and dear to your personal heart, or are you just kind of just going to give us the, the cover answer well, that all of them are? <laughs> well, like our, our personal heart. So, for example, like our personal heart, of course, Victory Junction is very near and dear yeah. to our family. And then, my, like, like we sat down as a family and we said, what do you want to support? Like, what what is – you know, what is our major things? And my dad is a big supporter of veterans. Mm-hmm. He always he, he always says, you know, they're doing what they can do so that we do what we, you know, they're, they're taking care of us so that we can do what we want to do, sure. you know. And then my mom was a big supporter of education. So the scholarship that we give out every year, the six scholarships we give out is actually called the Linda Petty Scholarship. Okay, awesome. That's a great tribute in her name, in her honor, mm-hmm. too, so. So for yep. for some of our listeners that maybe aren't familiar with the Victory Junction, can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Well, Victory Junction is a, a camp for terminally and chronically ill children, and it's free to every camper that comes. And so that that's the great thing, you know, kids that can't afford to come. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my, my favorite thing about camp, and, you know, and I try to get over there a little bit, like every summer while campers are there, is that the kids absolutely love it. But if you're a parent of a child that's sick, you don't think anybody can take care of them 
you know, except for you. Mm-hmm. So camp is so good for the parents, too, because these parents, when they drop their kids off, they are scared to death. Sure. And then when they come back at the end of the week and their kids are happy and taken care of, you know, the, the parents look as forward to it as as the kids do, hmm. you know, because they realize my kid's going to be OK, you know. Yeah. Get, maybe give the parents a little bit of a respite as well. Well, but also. I th- yeah, it does. But also, I think in, in the the other other spectrum is that they get to see their kids actually playing, doing the things they do at camp, like quote unquote normal kids would do. And that kind of gives them some hope at the end, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel too. Right. And we, and we group like illnesses together. So like you have certain weeks. And so the week, let's just say it's like hemophilia. And Mm -hmm. so that week, all we have is hemophilia kids. Well, this kid's coming who's different from people in their family and different from people in their school. And all of a sudden they get to camp and here's 170 other kids just like them, Mm -hmm. you know, so they instantly fit in. And, And it's great because they, they take from the other kids, you know, how do you deal with this with your siblings? How do you deal with this with your schoolmates how do you deal with this you know in the community and so they they learn stuff from each other as well nice i was gonna say my favorite part of camp was s'mores so (laughs) you have a much everybody loves s'mores that's right (laughs) um so you mentioned church earlier um that you that you went to church and stuff on wednesdays and i know faith is is a big part of the family foundation but but how has it shaped the actual foundation and maybe your life as well um, as you figure out how you, how to give out this money. So, so church was very important, you know, to us growing up. And so, you know, when you travel on the weekends, you're obviously not going to church on Sunday, but we, we have a, we have a, um, a ministry that travels with, with the, with NASCAR, it's called um, Motor Race and Outreach. And we conduct church every Sunday at the track. Hmm. Nice. So, so that's a great thing. I mean, you know, they have like they have like uh, it's not childcare, but it's like children's church. So, for example, drivers and crew crew people and stuff. If their families travel with them to the track while they go work, the kids can go to the MRO center and you know, and they're playing and they're interacting, but they're also you know being taught faith and religion and all that as well. Nice. Very cool. It's definitely a unique ministry they don't tell you about in, in seminary school. Work <laughs> <laughs> right. mm-hmm. I should have signed up for that class. Yeah. Um, s- speaking of NASCAR, so obviously that kind of shaped, um, you know, your legacy or your your father's legacy, and then your legacy and, and moving things forward. Um, and that's a huge thing here in Charlotte. You know, the the NASCAR is is the home of, of NASCAR. So you you hear things kind of out out and about in the community what is your take on the current state of nascar and maybe the future of where it's going hmm um you know i'm just like the general public i mean you know like i'm involved in it but then i step back and you know i've watched this in my lifetime the sales go down the sales Hmm. pick back up the sales go down the sales pick back up and and the same with sponsorship you know it's hard to come by sponsorship and then all of a sudden everybody wants to be a part of nascar so this is just another uh, another ebb in the history of nascar i think i mean you know nascar's working to to get things straight and i think that you know they're going to implement some new things that will you know get us back up to the flow again but you know you just have to be patient i know they're kind of getting kicked around right now but it's it's a it's a cycle that i've seen my whole life so i'm just gonna throw this out there maybe a right turn every once in a while (laughs) well they they had that they called the roval (laughs) yeah so tell us about there's a a a roval that you guys were a part of as well right right so tell us how that's a little bit different than just like a typical nascar race 
Well, I think it was actually really good for the sport myself. Just like I said, you know, sometimes I step back as a spectator, but I think a lot of people like just your, you know, just your general public that either watches it on TV or just comes for entertainment. I think that they were looking forward to it because it was something different. You know, we, we race Charlotte twice a year. So, you know, you can come in May to there's two races in May or you can come back in October, but you're kind of seeing the same thing, you mm-hmm. know? So they threw in something different that brought the crowd back from the spring. It brought them back. And, and, you know, it's like, they want to come back and see what's going on. Very cool. Yeah. I think they do a throwback day and just go back to the booze running with cops chasing them. Yeah. We kind of- <laughs> well, you know, they do a throwback at Darlington oh, okay. every okay. year. And so that's fun. I think the fans look forward to that too, because, you know, most drivers pick, um, well, of course, you know, our driver picks a throwback scheme of my dad's, but mm-hmm. you know, some of the, some of the newer drivers that don't have somebody to throw back on will go back and look at like a Kelly Arbor, or a Holly Farms car or, a you know, a junior Johnson car. And they just, they, they pick that paint scheme and run it. So That's cool. That's it's pretty cool. cool. The fans like it. Is and it? I can tell you this, the guys like it too. The, the crew members and the drivers, they like it too. That's cool. Has anybody done the Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> Not that I know Thank of. You. That would have been that would be kind that of would cool. be kind of cool. <laughs> but you know, I, I, we'll watch see what happens, Darlington, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> That's right. It might happen. If we could get our Southern Pride Philosophy sticker, you know, on that car, that I would be to, amazing. I hate to ask how much that mm-hmm. about. <laughs> so, um, tell us um, the, the the future of the Petty Foundation. Do you guys have anything different that you guys are looking at? Or are you going to keep doing the amazing? Uh, I almost kind of want to call it ministry that you guys are doing, but the the charities that you guys are doing, anything um, new that's coming out? Well, I mean, of course, of course we want to grow every year. I mean, you know, that's the whole purpose. And, you know, uh, like a couple of years ago, we threw in another event to try and raise money. So we're going to try and do that like over the years, a big car show. This was our second year this year doing a a car show that, you know, that benefits. So that's, you know, that's the second year. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be into it a couple of years for you, like, you know, is it worth doing it or do we need to come up with something new? But, you know, we, yeah, we're looking to, we're looking to grow every year. We're trying to do more and more and more this, this year we reached in this year alone, we gave out over a hundred thousand dollars. So we were pretty excited about that. Wow. Cool. That's great. That's awesome. Um, and so if our listeners wanted to, to connect with you guys and then so, like partner with you, how would they do that? Well, I think you gave our website. Yep. So they can go to the website and find out the, all your information there? They can go to the website and even the museum because, like, I, like the foundation is ran out of the same location that the Petty Museum's ran out of. Okay. So you could go to the um, Petty Museum and get our numbers. It's on there. and Just call, ask for me, or, you know, just talk to whoever answers the phone, and they, they can put you in touch with the right person. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. I know your time is precious, and I don't want to keep you, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you guys for having me. All right. Thank you so much. 